God um, for being God and God alone. You are mighty, you're holy and righteous. And God, um, I thank you, oh God, for just keeping us, oh God. So um, I pray, oh God, that this lesson um, will edify and will uplift and encourage um, one another to continue to studying your word, Father. And we thank you for allowing us to get to this um, finish line, God. We thank you, oh God, for your word that never fails, that uh, went through the, the testing of, of history, through um, through turning of man and, and everything that it went through, God. We still thank you for it, God, that it stood the test of time, God. So we bless you. And so I, I honor you and I give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So, all right, we are at the finale. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. So I want to thank you all that really um, stayed and, and, and stuck it in there um, the whole time um, through, through this um, lesson of um, introduction to the Bible. So I pray that it was a blessing to you all. Um, it was definitely a blessing to me, especially going through it again and just allowing the Lord to just illuminate and just to show, show me different things about him and that his word is true. His word um, is solid and it doesn't matter if man may um, ha try to have a process in it and try to control um, his word. Um, it didn't come to a surprise to God that this was going to happen. So he had everything in control. And so um, we just thank and we honor God for it. So the first uh, four was like four weeks, three or four weeks, we talked about how the, the Bible came together. And we looked at, um, we looked at the um, formation of the Old Testament. We looked at the formation of the New Testament. We looked at um, various canons of scripture versions of bible so we looked at you know the orthodox bible we looked at the roman catholic we looked at the protestant um copy of the bible and um we come into realization that you know there are other books out there um so we um came to a conclusion that um, those books that are out there are there for historical reference uh, once you continue your your biblical journey and, and growing in him, you realize that um, a lot of those books will fill in gaps. And um, you also start to realize that Jesus quoted from a lot of those um, apocryphal books as well. Um, so uh, I know I've been taught throughout the years just to, you know, those are the forbidden books. You shouldn't touch them and all that stuff. But um, it's more of a taking into consideration that you know, there's some historical significance in it or whatnot. So um, we also looked at, um, let me show my screen here. Mm -hmm. Let's see, presentation. All right, so um, we looked at, let's see if I can go back here. We remember we kind of looked at this chart here. So this is kind of like almost a summary of the first part of what we looked at. Um, we looked at how, you know, scripture came about. Um, we looked at how and through revelation, 
um, God manifested himself. Um, he um, began to show his will, his plan of redemption to man. And in that, he inspired apostles and prophets to begin to write down um, what it is that the Lord was, was inspiring them to write. So they took God's thoughts and put it into human language for us to understand. And in that, um, scripture was canonized. And that's how we got our different versions of the Bible, the Orthodox, the Greek, the, um, the Catholic, the Protestant, and all that stuff. Um, and it was um, decided uh, by a group of um, faith a faith group of individuals and they decided, you know, what, which scripture was authoritative, which ones to throw out and things like that. And in that, as we begin to um, look at scripture, they begin to compare manuscript and remove errors and try to identify the original text as possible. And then from the, the Greek version of the Bible that we, that um, was kind of first, um, put together in 270 BC um, from the Greek, we moved into various different um, languages of the Bible from Greek and went to, it went to Latin and went to German and went to Dutch and went to Spanish and went to English and all that stuff. So we learned about how through, through history, the Bible was translated. And a lot of, sometimes a lot of the translations were um, kind of inaccurate from the original but it didn't take away of what God meant. Um, it didn't take away from the thoughts of God. And um, as we begin to read and study scripture, we realize we uh, come into um, illumination of what God meant by his scripture. And so we always say, you know, God gave me revelation, but now we understand that it's not revelation that God is giving us, but actually it's illumination. He's allowing us to, to look at scripture and understand scripture because revelation everything was given already. So it's just a matter of us um, being illumined um, by the Holy Spirit um, to see what, what it is that God is saying. And so from there, well, once we understand and begin to interpret scripture, uh, we, were able, we are able to apply it to our lives. And then from there, from application, we begin to reflect his word. We become living epistles. We, become, we, we start to live holy and um, acceptable unto, unto God. Um, and then from there, we're able to, um, to give it to others too. And they'll see it in our speech and in our deeds as well. So now when we see this chart, we have a, a clear understanding of how it started from the presses of heaven, from God's thoughts. And it came through, through time and it, actually, and it came to the point where we actually have it in our hands and that the Holy Spirit um, is within us giving us illumination so that we can be representatives of Jesus Christ. So um, we went through that the first three or four weeks. And then we, and then from, from that point on to, to now, we looked at the history of interpretation. Um, we went through um, the patristic period, the medieval, the reformation, the modern, and now we're hitting the postmodern. This is the last, the last section or whatnot. So, um, we've been studying um, interpretation and how the the church interprets scriptures throughout the years. And so why is it important to know 
um, interpretation of history. It allows, it understands, let me go here, because I think I jumped. Let me see here. I'm always jumping. Okay, so before I, I jump into why we need to know interpretation of history. So in this lesson here, uh, we're learning about the periods of the church and Bible um, history beyond New Testament period. We learn more, we're learning more about the role of the church and um, has played and its impact historically on how we understand what the Bible is saying to us today. So um, what I was saying is that um, why is it important to know the history of interpretation, why we've been learning this for the past, you know, six, seven weeks or whatnot, um, is, is basically understanding our foundation of thinking and where it all stemmed from. Um, so as we begin to, to study how the, um, the Catholic Church really had a handle on the way we looked at scripture, it really played a part on on us today and so we see a lot of our mannerisms and a lot of our traditions that come out of the catholic church so it's important to know where it came from you know to see if it's biblical or not and if not what do we need to change and things like that so um so yeah that's why we um looked at the history of interpretation and and also to allow us to know where our beliefs came from. So uh, we started, like I said, with the patristic period, um, looking at 395, and the Bible was canonized, and the church became um, institutionalized and represented by religion of Christianity in 312 AD. So we talked about that, how Christianity became a religion in 312. Not, it didn't start in the Bible in which a lot of scholars, a lot of people argue that it started um, when they were called Christians at, at Antioch. And we talked about that and how that was more of a derogatory term rather than a, a, a comment or a, rather than a compliment or whatnot, or um, another name for disciples of Christ. It was a derogatory term. And so um, it became a religion in 312 because they wanted to control the spread of uh, the teachings of Jesus. It was just going, it was everybody was just, you know, being converted and they feel like they didn't have a handle on what was going on. So they created Christianity and then began to manipulate the people in Christianity um, by bringing in their pagan worship and uh, calling it something different. And um, we still, you know, wrestle with that today, a lot of their traditions that they they said or whatnot. So um, in that, um, in the patristic period, um, we talked about three rules of interpretation. Um, it's a unity between the Old and New Testament. Um, we, a lot of them believe that, um, that, that God was a different God in the Old Testament than in the New Testament. But they're saying, you know, it's the same God there's no difference um, in that uh, the scripture in the New Testament, um, scripture in the Old Testament is if it's fulfilled in the New Testament, things like that. And Paul, he he warned he warned um, a lot of the believers um, that they um, because people had a concern that that Jesus was just a spirit and he never came to earth. And this is why Jesus, uh, this is why Paul um, told them this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse three, he said, I'm afraid, but I, I'm afraid that as serpents deceive 
Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicities and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. So that in that time, people were preaching another, another Messiah or another Jesus at that time. And so um, he was warning them and allowed and telling them that you have to stay devoted to, to Jesus, the Christ, um, son of the living God. And so um, we also looked at the unity between church and Bible. And we understand now when we, when we see that it wasn't unity between the, the body, it was more unity with the clergy and the Bible. So the, the interpretation of the Bible had to line up uh, what the clergy said. And if, if you were found with another interpretation of scripture, you, will, you were excommunicated, you were, will we learn the term anathema, um, that a lot of them, they lost their lives. A lot of the like professors and, um, I'm sorry, not professors, but a lot of priests in that time, um, if they came with another um, interpretation of scripture and did not um, walk away from what they, what they believed, they were killed. And so also we looked at unity between sacred and secular um, evolution and Darwinism are taught now, um, but that wouldn't have been allowed um, back in, back in the day that, um, so only thing that was taught was like, you know, creationism and everything had to line up uh, with what the church believed this, the secular world was. So, um, so we looked at a, a lot of that. A lot of that. So um, it's kind of just allow us to get to this point today. So um, allow us, it allows us to, to realize that we need to separate of what is of man and what is of God. So there are a lot of um, fierce wolves out there. Um, Acts 20 and 20, uh, 29, it warns us, it says, for, for I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, among you not sparing the flock and from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them so it's not the outside that we have to worry about pulling us away it's 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 those who have crept in um that are teaching perverse things that we have to be very mindful of and we have to always discern and test the spirit by the spirit and test what they're saying um, with scripture, which is your, your standard of measure. So um, let's see here, I think I hit something. Okay, so um, today we're, we're doing postmodern biblical interpretations. So this is the last chapter of your book. So for the purpose of this class, we'll define the postmodern era of biblical interpretation largely for the character of the time span in the era represents the late 20th century to present. So that's like 1900 to, to present. So at the same time, I recognize the movement across many academic disciplines. I, uh, example, architecture, literature, art, philosophy, and et cetera, to depart from modern criticism. So what I'm doing, what I'm doing for this class, I'm taking a different approach. I'm not going to go through the whole of the last chapter. Um, I wrestled a lot with this last chapter. Um, for some reason. And um, after speaking with my mentor, um, 
it made me realize that I needed to end this lesson more on a positive note and to encourage you all to continue um, studying in your word and a lot of what you will understand when you continue to study is that a lot of these scholars who write commentaries and all these findings a lot of them um, don't really have that 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 mindset of really getting to know the the mind of God what what I what I've come to understand is that a lot of these scholars they 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 take Christianity and just you know they just study it and more than just it, but more than it becoming a part of their belief system, it's just more, it's just of knowledge. So it's just like a common class that you would take in college, like world history. And so they will write, you know, papers and, and, um, and dictations on it rather than it being their reality. And so I, I wanted to just kind of encourage you all to when you're reading commentaries and scholarly work, that you have to measure it against the word of God. Um, it may sound good, it may sound pretty, it may sound real flowery, and it's just like, yeah, that's good, but you have to make sure that it lines up with the word of God. And so that's kind of this last part um, of, this, of this teaching is, is really about in the chapter. So, um, so the next slide says, after all our discussion on the way the church has handled biblical interpretation throughout centuries, particularly in the modern times, we have come to a place in these days where more and more Bible scholars are questioning if biblical texts cannot be given a single um, definitive interpreta inter interpretation. This is sometimes described as the interdeterminacy uh, of um, contextual, I mean, of textual meaning. So there was a time when the traditions of church were hollowed. How church leaders interpret the Bible um, was it. But in these days, anybody can have a stab of what the Bible means. So we're going to look at the um, indeterminacy of text. Uh, a lot of scholars believe that you cannot get to the mind of God. And that goes against our foundation of, of um, Jesus Christ, our beliefs in Jesus Christ. And we're gonna look at some scriptures that kind of um, push against this um, indeterminacy of, of, um, of text. Um, and so they, they go through, when you read a lot of these um, works, they go through these circles and they keep, you know, finding different things about a certain scripture. And they believe that you can never understand the original text. And that when I when I was reading this and, and studying it, that's why I kind I guess kind of bothered me. And it made me realize that a lot of these scholars, I'm gonna I'm be real old school and say a lot of these scholars out here just don't have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> because if you if you period period, you know what I'm saying? Like if you are coming to the conclusion that you can never understand what God is saying then you, you cannot have the Holy Ghost. There's, there's no way where the Holy Ghost is God in us, helping us, um, helping us um, understand text and helping us to understand scripture. So that means you're saying that the Holy Spirit only has limited knowledge. And that's not true. And so... 
I would, that's why I guess I kind of wrestle with this, with this last part or whatnot. So um, let's go to the next slide. So respected scholars across all disciplines, uh, let me see, are um, taking, the, taking the challenge. And many of them are determining that biblical interpretation is much more complex matter than previously thought, which we came to that conclusion that it takes, it takes a lot of work to understand, you know, what scripture is saying. You have to um, consider context, you have to understand grammar and word and author's intent and background and scripture and things like that when you're, when you're looking at it. So it is, it is work. So um, it is not um, as simple as just, you know, reading the Bible and getting some type of light from heaven or whatever. It, it involves some work. So the last portion of the study is not presented to, uh, to sway you one way or another. It's instead it's designed to make and to make serious Bible students aware that there are other perspectives and approaches um, to the subject of biblical interpretation. So we do not need to avoid, we do not, uh, we do need to avoid being in a traditional bubble and having a dogmatic mindset where we think our view is the only view and our Bible is the only Bible. Um, we have to be aware of these views because a lot of you, you will be surprised on the stances, not just scholars, but just quote unquote regular people have when it comes to the word of God. I mean, I see it all the time in, in Facebook statuses and how they, how they comment and the way that they're thinking. That's why I encourage you all to, to um, read and understand different views on what people are saying um, and make you understand when, you're, when you come um, in conversation with somebody, you, you can quickly define where they are just through their conversation or whatnot. And when you're out here, like I said, studying, you begin to read how they word things. You can understand you know, their stance on the word of God and things like that. So um, let me see here. So in the end, we must grow in our conviction um, that the Holy Spirit is able and willing to glorify the Son by leading us to discover and to know truth uh, for ourselves. Um, I lost my place. Uh, for ourselves. Okay, in other words, let me go back. Um, in other words, there are a lot of scholars and academics available when it comes to the different association of sciences with biblical interpretation. So you begin to consider geology and archaeology and all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, we must hold to God's authority of his word. Um, it is not matter. It is not about what you know, but it's about what you believe. It is about a matter of faith. And a lot of people out here, they know a lot about scriptures, but they don't believe them. They don't have faith in it. They can, they can tell you what it means, but at the end of the day, they don't believe it. So all you, all you can do is have faith based on your interpretation of data. But don't let these scholars move you from the authority and faith of God's word. Okay. So Jude says, beloved, while I was very diligent to write, to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered 
to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. So we should always be open um, that any believer can help us to get to the truth, but we must hold a manner of suspicion and test all things all against things scripture. Since as disciples, scripture should be our standard of measure. Okay. So of course, you know, we believe in the universal of giftedness. Everybody has a gift. Everybody can encourage and uplift one another. You know, we all operate in various lanes and things like that, various giftings. Um, so we should always be open, um, to, you know, those who are, are teaching and trying to move us into truth. So it's, it's a, it's a way of doing that. So we don't, we don't, um, shut down somebody quickly when they, when they say something, but rather if they're, if they're wrong in what they're saying, you, we should, um, it says those who are spiritual, you know, correct and uplift such a one. And so, um, if someone, and so that's why the universal giftedness is so important and the gifts of um, uh, Ephesian four gifts are so are so important because we're we're collectively we're synergistically growing together in the knowledge of God. Um, and so, um, yeah, I just want to let you all just to encourage you all because you may feel like, well, I'm not there uh, where she's at or where he's at. I can't speak, um, eloquently like pastor or whatever. Um, I want you, I want to encourage you all to keep studying and that we're here to help and uplift you and, um, to guide you, um, as much as we can, but also to allow you to know that you have the same Holy Spirit that we have. And it's all about yielding to his teaching and yielding and yielding to his word and to decide to become a disciple of God and to always position yourself to be a learner of Jesus Christ. No matter how quote unquote high you think you are, you are always a learner of Jesus Christ. Okay. So let's hop into the book real quick. So the indeterminacy of meaning. So that's on page 65 um, in your book. So if you go um, to your book, so this is kind of a quick um, definition of the indeterminacy of meaning. So they believe scholars, a lot of scholars out there believe that there is no way to know what the Bible originally meant. We will always have debates and that the true meaning of scripture is lost forever. Isn't that, that's just so, that's so heavy and deep to make that type of statement. And they have different arguments um, out there to, um, to support this. And so I encourage you to, to continue reading into the books. I'm not going to go into every argument. I'm just going to talk about the indeterminacy of meaning and then that's the end of class. So um, go to page, I believe it's 65 in your book. Um, I have my electronic copy, so I don't have the physical in front of me, but um, the indeterminacy of meaning. It says at the beginning of the second part of our study, 
I made a few remarks about what it means to interpret a work. In particular, I insist that no one cannot escape the obligation of interpretation. So to read a work or to understand it is to interpret it. So we must now return to, the, to these questions for in our own time, there has been an explosion of new approaches to biblical interpretation. What these new approaches have in common is the new sense of what is involved in interpreting the text. In the next paragraph, it says, in particular, many contemporary interpreters insist that the act of interpretation is much more complex matter than what than was previously thought. They focus, they focus on those dimensions of the act of interpretation that destabilize contextual, I mean, destabilize textual meaning by suggesting that the biblical text um, cannot be given a single definitive interpretation. So this is sometimes described as the indeterminacy uh, of textual meaning. Okay, so um, like he said, like you don't even realize, but when you're reading things and when you're coming up, you know, to things, you are actually interpreting, interpreting it um, in in various ways. So, um, so. That's why um, in our second part of our study, when we talked about in interpretation of, of scripture, we looked at various ways scripture was interpreted throughout the years. So the question that we must ask ourselves is that, how did they drift so far to the left? Now, now you know, first they were at a point where the um, scriptures were, the interpretation was controlled by um, clergy. And then from there, uh, people begin to become educated through the Renaissance period and all that stuff. You see a lot of institutions begin to, to build up and all that stuff. And then uh, people have um, the freedom, the ability to interpret scriptures because um, Bibles were being copied in various languages and things like that. And now they got to a point here where they believe that you can't get uh, to a point of interpreting scripture to have one meaning. It's just like how how do they how do they get to that point? And so um, so what I realized is that it became more of a of a of a religion aspect, a religious aspect, a religious um, connection rather than a relational connection with Jesus Christ. Um, we want our relationship to be more, and that is only through. Um, through his word, through the word of God. So the word is the agent in which the Holy Spirit uses to cause an explosion of um, transformation in our lives. So the task um, has been given to us to separate what man um, have caused throughout the years to distinguish his words um, from the wisdom of this world and doctrines of demons, okay? So what this is saying is that we cannot know the real meaning of scripture um but we can know from scripture um but we know from scripture that we can so all the things paul wrote wrote, uh, wrote about um in his epistles so in second peter at chapter uh three verse 18 it says but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ so and then it's uh so indeterminacy meaning 
um, goes against the fundamental faith of Jesus Christ. So Paul gave us the expectation of the unity of faith, meaning that we will, we will uh, one day become uh, one with God as far as like in our thoughts and getting the mind of God. So Ephesians 4 and 13, it says, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to the mature man, to the measure of stature, which belongs to the fullness fullness of God. So destabilized textual meaning is the opposite of the unity of faith. So if you have a physical book, I encourage you to write that by that statement, destabilized textual meaning, right? This is the opposite of the unity of faith in which Paul basically preached about in almost every epistle. Um, and um, also Jesus, he he talked about it um, in John in John 17. I didn't make a slide for that one. In John 17, um, like verse 22, it says that the glory in which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one. I am them and you are in me that we may be perfected in unity. So no destabilization, only unity. And that's... Um, the the goal that that god had in mind in the beginning when he decided to bring his revelation down here on earth so that we can be one so that we can understand god's plan of salvation his plan of redemption so a lot of these uh scholars they believe that we we never get to know god but we know from scripture that we will we will get to know God. We will attain the unity of faith if we keep on pressing, if we keep on searching, um, seeking after him. Um, this, this whole uh, introduction to the Bible course, it blessed me so much so because I begin to understand, like I said in the beginning of class, of how the, the word um, stood the test of time and how we, we have it uh, readily available to us. And I, 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 I uh, compare it to, you know, getting to know God as like a scavenger hunt. You have one clue here and then you uh, are loomed or you come, you come to another clue and you begin to put it together. And God said, you know, you got that. Let me show you one more thing about me. So it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a chasing after him. It's a, it's a finding, you know, finding him. And it's a, it's a rewarding journey um, to find him. So I pray that, you know, in this study um, of, of um, looking at God's word and how we got it today, I pray that um, this blessed you in some way or in some manner. Um, so that's all I'm, I'm going to teach tonight. I'm not going to go into, you know, looking at the rest of the chapter, but I just want to encourage you all to keep keep keeping on <laughs> like the old ladies say the keep on keeping on and keep studying the word of god and don't be discouraged um for we um one thing i love about the revival center that we are we are forming a culture we're forming um a group of individuals that um are really hungry um for the word of god and don't mind helping out and lifting up one another and as long as, as uh, we continue to, to love one another and to be honest and lift up one another, that we can together 
obtain the unity of faith um, in Jesus Christ. So um, are there any questions or comments or anything from this course? So this is it. Praise our God. <laughs> well, I just want to encourage you and thank you for the class. Thank you for the time that you um, put into the preparation. Thank you for hearing the Lord to even come forth to present the, uh, this historical class on the Bible. Uh, it was very rewarding, and I think you are a dynamite teacher. I appreciate you, Miss Eva. Love you so much. Thank you so much. Amen. It was there. It was definitely rewarding, though, doing all this work because it just it blessed me so much. So, so I just pray that um, you know that you all are blessed. So, any other comments or anything? that we talked about tonight or any other weeks um, that we talked about. This is probably the shortest class I've taught. <laughs> so we're good. Good class. Glad that I was able to attend. Right. And, and, and Paige. Paige and Paige. To know. All right, I'll write, I'll write Paige name down. <laughs> we don't know who that is. But, <laughs> but no, it was a good class, like all the week. So it was, it was good. So we're expecting to get even better from here. So right, yeah, definitely. So yes, ma'am. Yeah. Um. So um. I know I said uh previous weeks that we we're going into uh, Bible study methods, but we're changing. We're changing the whole um outlook of where we're going. So I don't know if he wanted me to to me for me to say anything, uh, Wayman, but uh, we're not going into Bible study methods. We're um, actually going to take a break um, until January. And then that's when we're going into the Sabbath um, classes. And so we have exciting topics about that. Community classes. Community Family classes. Community. Thank you. <laughs> so we're not going to call it Sabbath classes. We're calling it community classes. Amen. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be some exciting top topics, um, things that, you know, we've been having questions about. Um, we're going to address it, um, uh, you know, to make sure that our foundation is solid. So once we, you know, once you uh, establish a solid foundation in Christ, then it just goes up from there. You know, you're able to um, filter you know, the things that you see in this world or what you read in scripture and things like that, you were able to filter it through a solid foundation. So, um, so we're excited about that. Um, so if there aren't any questions or concerns, I will pray out and I pray that you all have a good night. So Father God, we thank you for this class and we thank you God for allowing us to get to the finish line. Thank you God for your illumination, God and that uh, we're able to see um, where we are now. How do we get to this point? And uh, man, they, may tr they try to control um, our beliefs in you, God, but through your Holy Spirit, oh God, God, you are the creator and the sustainer of all things and that you control the illumination. You control our beliefs, you control our thoughts, oh God. So. I thank you, O oh God, um, for your word, 
that is um, faithful, that is strong, that is, um, that is always there for us, O oh God, and that we can lean and depend on it. It has been tested and tried and has never failed. So God, um, we lift you up and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So you guys have a good night. And Thank I'll see you. you tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Bless you.